You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We're off and running this Wednesday, December 9th. It's the 9th already? Wow. I got to get working on a Christmas list, boy. This is, uh, it's getting away from me fast. Hey, how's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing on this Wednesday morning? It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Big Wednesday edition. And, of course, 60 minutes to run through it all, so let's dive right in. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Day 35, right, of the Regal Tumble? I believe so. Big developments there, so we'll get to that. Today is Wednesday, so, of course, we'll have headlines. But last night, we had a little Tuesday night football, right? I mean, it seems like we have football every single day, and last night... It was the Ravens and the Cowboys. And week 13, one, I think, of the takeaways, if you were looking at each individual, from week 13, I think week 13 is when the NFC East stopped being the punchline that it has been, right? Giants go into Seattle, backup quarterback, control the game, sack Russell Wilson five times, confuse him constantly, and come away with a win. Go into Seattle with your backup quarterback and get a win. Week 13 also when football team, for lack of a better term, went into Pittsburgh, rallied from down 14-0 to beat the previously unbeaten Steelers, the previously 11-0 Steelers, and they get a win. So as surprising as those games were, the question going into last night was, could the Cowboys take down the Ravens, right? The Ravens have been very vulnerable despite the NFL bending over backwards, for, for, I mean, the one team that they bend over backwards. What, you guys need to push the game back to Tuesday? Oh, don't worry. We'll take care. No worries. So the question was, could the Cowboys take down the vulnerable Ravens, right? Continue this trend in the NFC East? And the answer, pretty much almost immediately, was pretty clearly no. No, no not even as vulnerable as the Ravens were. Uh, let's not talk crazy. And the headline, I had to laugh, I'm looking at stuff this morning. The headline up on ESPN.com, Lost to Ravens means that the Cowboys season is over. Dude, their season has been over for far long. Nothing that was happening. Like, it would have been kind of nice to watch the Cowboys, I guess, be uh, slightly more competitive. And I guess if you're a Cowboy fan, you would like to have seen them win a, a game. And I've kind of become – I've kind of um, – developed a hatred for the Ravens because it feels like the league is doing everything they can do to make sure the Ravens are in the playoffs and you know who that's going to probably affect the worst that will be my team so uh, I've I've started to develop a a serious hatred which I think I have if you give me enough time I can come up with hatred for every single other team in the NFL and the Ravens right now their their power rankings and the hatred scale are, are growing but um, and, and ter- even in the worst division, the Cowboys still uh, very well might be the worst, right? Even with some extra days to prepare, it seems like it was like a surprise party that there was a game last night. So now there have now been uh, 28 games. This is a great stat. 28 games in the entire NFL this year where teams have rushed for 200 yards. The Cowboys have now allowed four of them. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to see uh, last night the Cowboys following the COVID-19 safety protocols by being nowhere remotely close to any of the carries. And that was the big news before the game that Des Bryant, turns out he tested positive. Well, if he were a running back, 
not a wide receiver, I think you would have been allowed to let him play in the game because the Cowboys players would not have come anywhere remotely close to uh, coming up to, uh, and, and, and tackling him. Uh, <laughs> yes. Who was that? What sound bite was that? That was a family guy drop. Oh, family guy. All right, we'll get to family guy in a little bit. Uh, the uh, Cowboys have now been outscored off turnovers this year. Another mind-boggling stat. 120 to 28. Wow. And I have said in the past that I thought that Mike McCarthy deserved a second chance, you know, in the right situation, a, uh, a head coach with a resume, right, that Mike McCarthy has. By all he has been an outright disaster. Oh, my. Everything. It's all like there was plenty of criticism of Mike McCarthy from from Aaron Rodgers. Right. It seems now that Aaron Rodgers took it easy on Mike McCarthy. It's like he has never coached before. And I'm pretty sure he got a five year deal when he went down to Dallas. And look, if you are looking for excuses, the beauty of excuses is if you look hard enough, you can always find them. So for Mike McCarthy, right, he lost his quarterback, right? I mean, how are you expected to win games when you lose your quarterback? 2020, for everybody, it's been a very weird year in every sport, right, dealing with all the different parameters of pandemic and all that stuff. Even with all that said, even with all those excuses, it still has to be at least considered that even after just one year losing your quarterback in a weird year, that the Cowboys should move off Mike McCarthy after the season is over, if not sooner. I mean, if you're Jerry Jones, you're 78 years old. If you ever want to win a, you know, you're not getting, I don't know, you get another 10 cracks at it? I don't know. I don't think so. So uh, I think that the, the time is now. Seize the day, as they say, and all those other motivational sayings. So uh, the Cowboys, boy, they are an absolute mess, even – you know, with the, the Ravens having all these things, you know, clearly the Ravens are not the Ravens that we've, uh, you know, kind of seen here maybe the last decade or so. Their defense is not nearly what it once was. But uh, even then, even with all those things going against them, they can still take down the Cowboys with the uh, virtual ease. Uh, yesterday, also in the NFC East, the Eagles, Doug Peterson announced that uh, the Eagles are going to bench Carson Wentz and will start Jalen Hurts. He'll get the start against the Saints. I would just simply wonder, what are the Eagles hoping will come of this? Like, I, I guess you're you're hoping, right, that Wentz gets in there and, and provides a, a spark. But, like, what's the result you want? Because, like, if he gets in there and plays really, really well and you win the game against the Saints, against all odds, right? I mean, the odds there have to be – I don't know what the line in that game is, but it has to be astronomical. Um, even if you win the game, how does that help you? You're still out of the race. There's nothing you're going to do now to catch up in the race to, to, to win the division. If you lose, but Hurts looks much better, I guess that's good. But Wentz is still going to be there for all the, the reasons that everybody's all lined up about his contract and the dead money and all that type of stuff. He, can't, he, he, he basically can't go anywhere. And then I guess if Hurts goes in there and also stinks – and at least proves to you, and maybe this is what Doug Peterson wants, you know, maybe this is about proving to people within the organization that the problems are bigger than the quarterback. But I don't know if that's necessarily the good long-term play either, right? Like, here's the second-round second round pick that you're basically throwing to the Wolves against the Saints defense 
which is basically one of the best in, in football. So it's almost like if you want the Eagles, if you're an Eagle fan or a member of the Eagles organization, you almost have to hope that this move fails spectacularly because Carson Wentz is certainly going to be on the team next year, right? Like the numbers, his, his, his salary next year. And that's really, here's one that not even the Jets have been able to pull off. Wentz has the worst contract in the NFL, and the contract technically hasn't even started yet. That's a difficult one to do. But his salary is going to be 30, almost $35 million next year again, against the cap. The cap is going to go down, and they can't release him, right? Because then it would be almost $60 million, and they really can't trade him either, even if they could find someone to take him. So that, that, that whole situation, boy, oh, boy, what an absolute mess that has turned out to be. Uh, but look, if you're a Giants fan, life uh, continues to be good. Life continues to be good. You've got your win against Seattle. Things seem to be pointing up there. Even though Washington won their game against Pittsburgh, you still have the tiebreaker against them. I think if you look at the two schedules, I think that the schedules even favor the Giants, if it is only slightly. So if you're a Giant fan, life continues to be good. And even on a Tuesday night, even when you're still basking in your win, looking forward to your next game, you can sit down on your couch. And it's comforting to know, even in 2020, with all the different things that have happened, all the strangeness of the world and when things are going to get back to normal, if they'll ever get back to normal, uh, it's nice to be able to plop down on your couch and just watch the Cowboys just suck. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, we'll get some phone calls involved. Uh, a couple of things, one about the Jets, one about the Giants, that are still, uh, they're, they're connected, and it's the same point. Because two things, one happened, I think it was yesterday, one will happen on Sunday, and neither of them is, should be anything that you would ever concern yourself with. So we'll get into that. Plus, Jeff Passan on the K-Show yesterday having some very interesting things to say. Very interesting things to say about the future of the Yankees. And um, we'll, we'll run that down, too. So lots of stuff to do. Day 35 of the Regal Tumble. we got a moment of inspiration. Lots of stuff to do as, of course, we, uh, we take you up until um, 6 o'clock. Now, Ray... Ray Santiago, giant, uh, or I shouldn't use giant, he's a, a huge Cowboys fan. And after watching that uh, spectacular last night, was still able to wake himself up this morning and come into work, which probably was not, it's not easy to wake up at the times that we wake up at, but it, when you sit and watch a Cowboy team play like they did last night, it can't be easy, right? It's totally uninspiring. Like, watching that team play football is depressing. And, and I'm working on a station that's carrying jet football right now. Right, I so mean, you you're you're you know right you're you resigned the, to it right? as you said the worst team in the worst division in football it's embarrassing and you had Super Bowl aspirations did you not this year? Uh, I mean I don't know about Super Bowl may, but certainly may, you were, were going into the season you were the odds-on favorite to win the division I sure. think. The season was over when Dak Prescott's ankle snapped in the right. wrong direction. But you know what? Sometimes when you lose your quarterback, right? Not that obviously you have to adjust what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can still have things where you're like, all right, you know, it, 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 and maybe it makes it more painful if you have some po- – have there been any positives with the Cowboys at all? I can't think of any. I mean, they're playing a lot of rookies and they're getting experience, but l- l- you want to see the contrast? <laughs> what, what, what experience, right? We, getting we said this. We said this um, off, off air prior to the show, but last week we were playing a cut of Mike Tomlin, and he was going off on his team after they won. 
Right. And in Dallas, by contrast, all you give is excuse making from the head coach. And the buck doesn't even stop with him. It stops with the owner who goes on radio and says ridiculous things like the head coach has has a tougher obstacle in front of him than Jimmy Johnson when they went one in 15. Right. And you know what? The I would I would, you know, sometimes excuses are valid. Right. Like sometimes excuses, they, they actually do tell you why things have happened the way they did. The Cowboys were a mess even before Dak Prescott got hurt. Like, what was that, Absolutely. the fourth game or the fifth game? Or yeah, that was, some... that was game five. Game five, okay. They, they, so they... before that, mm-hmm. they, they, they had the, the Falcon game, which they won, but, I mean, by the most miracle of miracles. They got, I think it was the week before they got destroyed by the Browns, right? Yep. Yep. Am I remembering that right? You're right. Uh, the, the week one, they had the Rams game, which, uh, you know, they're going forward on fourth down mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. In terms of, of debacles, that was just the beginning. Uh, and then I don't remember week, what week other three, game they week had. Week three, right before the Browns, they they had gone to Seattle, and they were in that game. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they, their defense just could not stop Russell Wilson if their life depended on it. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I mean, uh, clearly I think if Dak Prescott were to be healthy, the Cowboys would be much better than they are. But to think that they would have been the team, uh, if that were true, if they were going to be the team that we all kind of expected them to be, like out in front, you know, nine, ten win team, well, then Dak Prescott probably should be named the MVP of the league because to take this team and just plop in a different quarterback and think that that would have uh, fixed the ills of the, uh, the, of the team, boy, oh, boy, they have been an outright disaster basically every single week. And the crazy thing was uh, after they beat the Vikings, people were trying to get back on that bandwagon against all uh, you know, previous evidence, and uh, they have been a disaster before that and uh, really since that too. We're going to get to the Regal Tumble in just a second, but I, I did have to touch on uh, two things, one jet, one giant, and uh, there's, they're the same. They're, they're connected. Uh, so yesterday, I took my uh, little nappy poo. I wake up to see that Odell Beckham's name is uh, trending on Twitter. And, uh, oh, boy, here we go. Oh, what is this now? So um, he made some comments uh, about Pat Shermer derailing his career. So then, you know, I'm getting ready for the show today, and, you know, the Post has a big uh, workup because this is the week the Jets go to Seattle, and they're going to see their old pal, uh, Jamal Adams, and uh, his revenge game against the New York Jets. You know, you played a, 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 a clip earlier uh, about, uh, from Family Guy. What, what's the meme about Stephen A? We just don't care. Uh, and I think that, that that meme would apply perfectly here. Odell Beckham Jr., talking about Pat Shermer sabotaging his career. I mean, who cares? Do, do Giant, does Odell, is he delusional enough to think that Giant fans on the verge of, you know, it certainly seems like on track to win the division after being this laughingstock, this NFL laughingstock for the last three years. Does he, is he delusional enough to think that Giant fans are still sitting around thinking to themselves, man, I wonder where it went wrong with Odell. Like, he is such an afterthought that he, it's not even an afterthought. It's not a thought about it all. So I, I get that he's on a podcast or whatever. Like, we need him to tell us that the Giants failed to build around Eli. I mean, he's the same guy who was trashing Eli when he was here, the little Wayne interview. So the beauty of trading him, and I said this at the time, was that you never had to listen to him talk about anything again. You know, he presented it as, oh, as soon as I get away from the Giants, look out. I'm going to have this unbelievable year. He's been good. He's not been anything special. 
And for, for Giant fans, even taking out, you know, what you got in the trade or anything like that, they, they would still make that trade 100 times over to, to, to get him out of here. Nothing, I mean, I can't imagine him and Joe Judge meshing all that well, given uh, Odell's act and, and what we've seen of it. And the same thing kind of goes for Jamal Adams, too. You know, oh, Jamal's out for blood this week. You're facing the Jets. I mean, if you ask, they'll probably hand you the blood, right? Like, oh, you want blood? Oh, here's our blood. Enjoy. We don't need this blood. This is uh, unnecessary blood. So you just take the blood, do whatever you want to do with the blood, and uh, we'll get I mean, both guys, it's like nobody cares. And same thing with Jamal Adams. And he's the same. Odell is the same player. You know, outside of the, the amazing catch on Sunday Night Football, Odell is essentially the same player he has been since he had that injury. You know, he has never really been the same guy. He has moments. He has, you know, individual moments in games where you're like, wow, he's explosive, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like he's all of a sudden, you know, taking it to some new level. Same thing with Jamal Adams. He's the same player he was with the Jets playing on a better team. And maybe you might be able to say the only good thing out of this season to come from the Jets was trading him. Like, if you listed the good things to come out of this year for the New York Jets, what would they be? I don't even know that you could come up with a list. I think the only thing you would have is getting two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. What else would be on that list? You haven't gotten the first pick yet. That will be number one when it eventually happens. Putting it out in the universe. When it happens, which is almost assuredly going to happen, then that will be number one. But number two is taking Jamal Adams, not paying him the contract that he... I mean. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine if the Jets had paid him what he wanted to have paid? He still would have been complaining every single solitary time, almost certainly, because the Jets are losing every single solitary time they play a game. And then you would have been paying him, what, $15, $16 million a year for that guy? No. I I mean, there's not that many things on the list so much, so I I don't even know if you could come up with a list of good things that happened to the Jets this year, but that is certainly one of them. Uh, all right, so Jeff Passan on the K Show yesterday had a lot of interesting things to say, including that he does believe that DJ LeMahieu will be back with the Yankees next year. But that's not really the question that he has. So here's Jeff Passan on the K Show yesterday. I also wonder if you hold on to him for too long, Michael. Let's say you hold on to him for a year and he's not what you want him to be. Right. All of a sudden, you're trying to trade him in a market with potentially five franchise type shortstops. So the you know the the value that he would have in a scenario where there aren't those types of guys necessarily. You know, the best shortstops on the market right now are Marcus Simeon and uh, and Didi Gregorius. I almost wonder if dealing Glaber Torres at this point is a more prudent thing. And if so, what are you going out and getting? Are you trying to get young, controllable starting pitching? And maybe you sign a guy to a one-year deal as a bridge there. I, I, I don't know what the right answer is here. So that was actually the second cut. Can we play the first cut of talking about DJ and then how it impacts um, Glaber? 
the first offer that was made last week by the New York Yankees to DJ LeMahieu. It's not going to get it done. It was underwhelming is the word that I was told, but it's the first offer. That sort of thing is expected. I think when it is all said and done that the Yankees are going to get DJ LeMahieu back. The question, of course, is what other moves do they complement that with? Because if you have DJ LeMahieu at second base for the next four years, which is probably where it's going to wind up being, you're not moving Glaber Torres there. And and let me ask you guys, is Glaber Torres the New York Yankees shortstop for the for the foreseeable future? I don't know the long-term future, but if you get LeMahieu back, I think he's the shortstop in 2021. I think you're probably right there, but I also wonder if you hold on to him for too long, Michael. Let's say you hold on to him okay, for so a year. Okay, so that's the second part of that. that. That was the first one that we played. All right, so, you know, the idea that you're, you know, now it seems like more and more that people are coming to the realization that, yeah, the Yankees are not going to lose DJ LeMahieu to some other team unless some other team puts out some crazy contract proposal, which doesn't seem like it's there based on, you know, just the the parameters of of DJ LeMahieu as a player, as well as, you know, the financial aspects of uh, coming off the pandemic and everything else. Uh, So, yeah, the Yankees are going to bring back DJ LeMahieu. That, of course, is not really even a, a question, right? Like, here's a guy that you, you, you found. The Yankees identified DJ LeMayhew more so than any of us, right? Like, we're all, we're all now saying to the end, you cannot afford to lose this guy. Uh, they're sitting, yeah, guys, we, we're the ones that saw the value in him when really nobody else did. You know, getting him for two years, and I think it was $24 million, sensational. Fantastic. So, yeah, the Yankees were always almost certainly going to bring him back. When you get a guy like that and he comes in and and performs at an MVP level for the two years that you've had him and still projects as a guy, you know, he's not some lumbering, slugging first baseman. No, he's a a, a middle of the diamond, you know, can field his position, do everything kind of player, third base, first base, second base. Yeah, that's the type of guy that you're willing to invest an extra year in, and it seems like it was going to be – uh, a four-year deal. This idea that Labor Torres now is this major problem. First off, his uh, Jeff Passan putting out, you know, maybe you use him to to go get something. What 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 are you going to go out and get? Like you don't just say, you know what? Let's just let's make up our minds to trade Labor Torres. And it feels like since Labor Torres has gotten here, the talk is maybe it, maybe I'm just misremembering. Maybe it was even before. He got to the majors a couple of years ago that it was talk about trading Glaber Torres. But certainly, since he has been here, he's going to maybe you trade him for uh, Jacob DeGrom. Maybe you trade. I mean, you're not trading him. I I don't. uh, And to think that based on 42 games played that he cannot play shortstop. There's no way that he can improve at the position based on 42 games in a 60 game season is just laughable to me. Now, look, maybe the Yankees do have to have a defensive replacement late in games because his value is, you know, maybe he's never going to be, you know, Mark Belanger at shortstop. But the idea that you're going to move off this guy who is at, what, he is 23 right now, and you're going to move off him because you have already identified that he cannot play shortstop. I think we came up, well, what was the stat that we came up, Jeter's first year as a shortstop? I think he made 24 errors or something like that. Now, Glaber clearly was going to make more than that if they had played 162 games. To me, the bigger question is, 
and it's not one that I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to have to trade this guy now. Uh, where did his power go this past season? You know, he was a guy that was slugging at, you know, 500. And this past year, that power was not there at all. He slugged uh, 368. So that's a huge drop off. And I would wonder, you know, he's not the only guy who was like that. Is that just simply a, a, a sign of, you know, the, the weird year? Was it something different with the baseball? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where that power went, but uh, that would be more of where I'd be concerning myself with than, you know, the idea that he can't play shortstop. Already, already we're determining a guy who will be 24 uh, next season. 24, not 28, not 26. I, and, and not a guy who, hey, this guy got hurt. We got to throw him into shortstop and see He's always been projected to be a shortstop. The reason why the Yankees let Didi go was because they were going to slide Glaber Torres over to shortstop. So now, based on 42 games, we're led to believe that the Yankees are sitting around the front office saying, you know what, guys? This guy can't play shortstop at all. He can't play the position. Let's, uh, let's give him a full year and then see where you are. And if it turns out next year, you know, when we get to this point next year, and Glaber Torres has made, you know, 35 errors at shortstop. All right, then. Then you can say, you know what? This is probably not the right move. And by bringing back DJ LeMahieu, you could certainly move him to third. You could certainly move him to first, put Glaber back at second base. And, and you have the whole free agent class. Uh, to me, this is a clear, you know, with all the other needs and moves that the Yankees have, this is clear to me that this is one that they don't need to do right now. The first question they had to ask themselves, I said uh, at the start of free agency, what are you going to do with Glaber Torres? Do you, do you feel like you have to move him to second base? And by the fact that they're talking to DJ LeMahieu, it's pretty clear to me that they don't think that they have to move uh, Glaber Torres to second base. Uh, so that was the big thing. Uh, he also t- did he have the one about him talking about Tanaka not being back? Do we have that one, Ray, or no? Okay. Uh, well, he was basically saying, to me, bringing back Tanaka or not bringing back Tanaka, it should not really be the focus right now. Like, if the Yankees don't bring back Masahiro Tanaka, I'll be okay with that. But you have to find somebody who is going to be a second starter. To have, you know, Luis Severino ready for the second half of the year, that's great. And having some of the young arms in the rotation, that's fine. But at this point, if the Yankees view themselves as a championship-level team, Masahiro Tanaka is not a number two starter. He's just not. So we'll see what ends up happening. If the right deal can be made, it's kind of like some other guy. You know, if you're telling me Masahiro Tanaka is coming back on, you know, like a one-year deal or even like a two-year team-friendly kind of deal, okay, you know, I can live with him as the back. You know, he's a reliable guy for most part. But it's one thing when he is, you know, regular season good postseason ace. He's not been that anymore. So, uh, you know, you have to adjust what your expectations are. I also saw that Archie Bradley, the reliever, had a picture taken someplace. I can't remember where it was. And he had a Yankee jersey on. So I don't know if that's a sign of something or just maybe trying to get the Yankees involved in some bidding there. I think it was a CC Sabathia. It might have been a Jose Contreras. He was 52 as well. Or maybe who else was 52? 52, that's a weird one. You don't see too many 52. I think Chuck Carey might have been 52, but... All right, you know, look, um, there's a lot of stuff to do with the, the Yankees, and uh, they've not done it as of yet, but no team has. So it's not, you can't get a little uh, too crazy. You know what I would get crazy about if I were a Met fan or at least a National League fan? How is it that we're this deep into the, po- into the offseason 
and we still don't know that whether or not there's going to be a DH. Like, it's a complete toss-up. You don't know what the rules of the game are going to be for an entire league. And yet, yeah, make your moves now. Now, it, it's kind of, the Mets are kind of bailed out because, you know, Dom Smith and uh, Pete Alonso, so they have a, a ready-made DH. But isn't that crazy? that The National League does not know for sure as of yet whether or not there's going to be a DH next season or not. And we're all, like, it's not like the, 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 the offseason is like just kind of started. No, we're right in the middle of it. We're right in the middle of it. It's not surprising when teams make moves. So uh, it's crazy that teams have to be building their team without the knowledge of whether or not they will have this offensive spot open or not, all because baseball wants to work out something for their end of it. Now on fourth and two, Jackson in the pistol. He'll keep it, runs up the middle, big hole, 30, 20, nobody there, Lamar Jackson, 10, 5, touchdown Ravens. Fourth and two, and he takes it to the house. A 38-yard touchdown run for Lamar Jackson, who comes off the COVID list and finds the end zone in the final minute of the opening quarter. I was uh, unaware that he had been cleared from the COVID because it seemed like they were like approaching Lamar Jackson, really any ball carrier, as if they still had the cooties at the very least. So there you go, your moment of inspiration. Why would we play that? Because... Even in this year, as I said before, like we need things that bring us together. And hating on the Cowboys is one of those things that always brings us together. Is that right, Santiago? Eh, more right. or less. Yeah, more or less. All right, your moment of inspiration for this Wednesday morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. We will eventually get to phone calls, I promise. Uh, but today, day number 35 of the Regal Tumble. Rolling along yesterday. The Simpsons joined the fray, and I thought for sure the Simpsons were going to now become the new frontrunners. I mean, when you talk, as I mentioned yesterday, you talk about Hall of Fame cases, longevity and peak. The Simpsons have both in spades, but that was not to be the case because The Office has still been a very, very strong frontrunner in this pot, too. So yesterday... We uh, threw the Simpsons into the mix. They do survive. But not surviving? Everybody loves Raymond. Apparently not everybody because uh, they were uh, booted. And uh, it was really uh, the, the race for last was pretty clear, right? Like it was, a, it was almost like the NFC East. You have the two teams that have separated themselves in the, uh, the office and uh, the Simpsons. And then you had Family Guy. And everybody loves Raymond. They were like the Cowboys and the Eagles of the uh, four teams. So everybody loves Raymond. Uh, at least for one day, they were the Cowboys, right? I think, eh, yeah, the Cowboys are probably worse. So they're out. They're gone. And now we find out, because we're already running out of time on this day, what team, what show is going to uh, enter the fray? So let's hit the countdown, Ray. Five, four, three, two, three, four. Glenn Miller play. Yes, I mean, that is recognized. Now, if we were doing the uh, theme songs to the TV shows, I don't think that this would be a very strong contender, but it is certainly a very recognizable uh, theme song. That is, of course, All in the Family, aired from 1971 to 1979. And, uh, you know, it's been brought up, you know, this is the one, this is the sitcom that kind of, you know, broke down the formula of uh, just having the same thing, you know, kind of going a little bit more reality 
into uh, you know primetime TV, right? With Archie Bunker, one of the, uh, and this is really one of the, um, you'd have to say, influential shows of all time. And this is one that people have brought up. I think it's way too old to even compete. I'll throw that out there right now. I don't think enough people in the audience have uh, witnessed All in the Family. But, you know, the very vocal group of people who always want the old shows. And I'll be honest, I misjudged uh, the Honeymooners. I didn't think the Honeymooners had a shot in heck. But they uh, did compete for a while. So we'll see how All in the Family. So those are the four shows today. All in the Family, The Office, Family Guy, and The Simpsons. And you can vote on the Regal Tumble. The Battle for Television Supremacy. It is up on Twitter. At Gordon Dammer. I'll be honest, uh, you know, uh, All in the Family certainly one of the most influential. I'm much more of a Three's Company kind of guy, if you know what I mean, right? Like, during those years, I don't know that they perfectly overlapped, but, uh, you know, Three's Company was much more my speed. I've always said that, you know, Jeopardy, not really my speed. I'm much more of a, um, you know, Wheel of Fortune <laughs> kind of guy. So uh, there you go. You can vote uh, if uh, All in the Family makes it. We'll see. But still plenty more big shows to come. And if you've not seen your show as of yet, good chance that it's coming. There's one show that people keep bringing up. Don't worry. I'm not going to give it away. Part of the fun of the whole tournament thing is, is the reveal every single day. You've got to tune in every single day, at least uh, for the next couple of weeks. All right, let's get to headlines because it is Wednesday. It is time for those headlines. And it is. Time for those headlines. There we go. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. All right, headlines for this week. Well... Greg, I love this one from the Post. Greg Williams' fallout offers Jets lessons for next coach. I'm assuming it meant, again, I don't read the stories, I just read the headlines. I'm assuming it means for Frank Bush, who is now the new defensive coordinator. What lesson, I mean, do you need to learn that lesson? Like, if you don't know that lesson coming in, shouldn't you know? Or maybe you shouldn't just have the job, right? It's like if you need that lesson, that's like when you walked into the SATs and you got like 400 points just for putting your name on the paper. If you didn't need to know, hey, in a you know all-out situation where the game is on the line, maybe not. don't send an all-out blitz and leave your cornerbacks one-on-one when the team needs to go 50 yards in basically 10 seconds. Probably shouldn't need to know that lesson. All right, uh, breakdancing has been added to the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. Those have not been canceled as of yet. They're in 2024, so that's good. Uh, and I know that people will say, well, breakdancing in the Olympics, is it any more ridiculous than all the swimming events, right? Like, how many swimming events? We, we swim this way, we swim that way, backstroke, butterfly, all the, the synchronized swimming. You know, there was at least one year I remember they had solo synchronized swimming. I, I'm, I'm positive I am remembering this. Solo? I mean, how could you not be synchronized by yourself? Skiing and shooting? What's that one called? The, is that the decathlon or something like that? I don't remember what that one's called. But remember the cross-country skiing and then you pull out a rifle and start shooting at things? Curling? Speed walking was it? I mean, speed walking, that has to be one of the dumbest ones as well. So look, breakdancing, I don't, I don't know if it deserves to be in the Olympics. But I don't think it's the most ridiculous, at least not the ones of all time, that's for sure. Moving on. Extra, extra. Celebrities meme themselves with hilarious elf-on-the-shelf rhyme riff. Well, I brought up this point before. We have uh, we are overusing the term hilarious. Hilarious is not the... Appro- 
mildly amusing. That would be the appropriate term to uh, to talk about that story. Hilarious, not the right term. It was not. No one anywhere was looking at these celebrities memeing themselves and go, oh my god, oh. like you can't. Hilarious means like you can't even get breath into your lungs because it's just so funny. You know, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. That's hilarious. Celebrities minging themselves. Uh, that I don't think qualifies. Extra, extra. Man walks 280 miles after fight with wife gets fined over COVID-19 rules. Well, look, who has not been in that position? I don't know about 280 miles, but everybody, you know, sometimes you have those things where you just need a little bit of a break. And this poor guy, then he gets banged for the uh, the COVID-19 rules. This guy's th- that's having a day, right? When you walk, imagine how angry you have to be to walk 280 miles. That would take a couple of days, right? I would think, especially the way I walk. All right, moving on. Aliens have made contact and are waiting for Earth to be ready for their existence. Well, this one I did do a little bit of research. An Israeli space space official has claimed that aliens are real and secretly in contact with America and Israel, but they're keeping their existence quiet because humanity is not ready to have that revealed to I would just simply say this is the year. I mean, this is the time. If we're not going to be ready for it, like if, if it turned out, we found out today that there are aliens, they exist, and they have been in contact with uh, the various countries. I mean, it would be, I guess it would be shocking for the initial news, but like we would be over it by probably Saturday. Like we would already be moving on. And maybe celebrities would then meme themselves in a hilarious situation with the various aliens. I don't think that it would be. I would think that 2020, if the aliens are listening, all praise be to you. Uh, that would be the first thing I would say. But also, this is the time. Strike while the iron's hot. We're, we're ready for you. We're ready and we're waiting for the aliens to come down. All right, but moving on. Extra, extra. Uh, Olivia Jade. Break silence on college admission scandal, saying, quote, I don't deserve pity. Now, Olivia Jade, she is Lori Loughlin's daughter. Remember that story about them paying to have her uh, make USC, saying that she was on uh, USC's uh, rowing team or some ridiculous thing, that whole college scandal where Lori Loughlin went to jail. Is Olivia Jade under the impression that we are pitying her? Like, is she under the impression like that? That we are not all like, uh, not even care, but like certainly not pity. Uh, I don't think anybody is sitting around saying, oh, that poor Olivia Jade. Boy, she just can't catch a break. All right, this week in Florida, man. Florida man makes videos of snakes biting him for educational purposes. There we go. Florida man shoots flare gun while drunk, prompting Coast Guard response. I would figure that probably, in Florida, that probably happens like maybe not once a week, but certainly once a month. Uh, Florida man robs bank so he can buy girlfriend a gift for the holidays. That gift? Tires for her car. Extra, extra. Uh, It's such a romantic thing. When you unveil the snow tires, well, it wouldn't be snow tires now, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Florida woman high on crack arrested for beating boyfriend for being selfish in the bedroom. Florida man arrested for reportedly putting feces in mailboxes. Extra, extra. Is that, are we not living in America anymore? We can't even put feces in mailboxes? Uh, and then finally, a uh, drunk Florida man, as if we needed that. Drunk Florida man in handcuffs asks police to pinch his nipples. 
Strong. There you go. All right, that's going to do it for headlines for today. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved. Uh, the football from last night, the Yankees, the Mets, whatever you want to get to, we'll get to it next. Hey, the Michael K. Show holiday broadcast is back. This year, we are giving you, yes, you, the chance to hit the airways with Michael, Don, and Peter. With your holiday hot take. Have you heard about this? Everyone's got them, so fire off one for your chance to win some holiday spending cash on your way, and your way, excuse me, on air during the Michael K. Show holiday broadcast. That would be Wednesday, December 16th. So a week from now, you better get working, people. Dial in to the Holiday Hot Take Hotline right now, 347-974-ESPN. That's 347-974-3776. Leave us a message with your best hot take. Make it something different. Don't go the same route as everybody else. Be stand out. Don't just go the same way. Four winners will each win 250 bucks. That's nice. And a shot at the spotlight during the uh, show with the biggest names in sports. The Michael K. Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, today, what we have touched on, in case you're just joining us, well, we've touched on uh, the big Tuesday night football, which now seems like it's just a routine thing. And if the Ravens have any more, you know, obstacles to overcome, maybe we can schedule some Wednesday football, some Thursday football, some Saturday football, whatever we have to do to make the Ravens feel comfortable to be able to get them in the playoffs. Well, the, the, the NFL, I'm sure, will do. So yesterday it was some Tuesday night football. Maybe next week it'll be Wednesday morning football, Thursday afternoon, for whatever. Uh, but last night it was uh, Tuesday night football, and uh, they also had the benefit of playing the Cowboys, which uh, clearly uh, that is big benefit to whoever plays them. So um, the Ravens easily able to win there. So that was one of the things we touched down earlier this morning, uh, and how both Odell and uh, Jamal Adams both talking, still talking about their former teams for whatever reason and, of course, the baseball as well with Jeff Passan on the K-Show yesterday. No, the Yankees should not be thinking about trading Glaber Torres. They should be thinking about improving the team by bringing in other players from other teams, but not trading away. I mean, what trade would you need to make to deal Glaber Torres, to open up that hole for a guy who's not making any money, will be 24 next year, and has produced in a normal season at the level that Glaber Torres has, has produced at? How, what player would you need to get back to make that a representative deal where it's not just like a sideways move? You know, that's one of the problems with the idea of, well, do you bring back DJ LeMay or do you go out and get uh, Francisco Lindor? Forget about all you'd have to do to get Francisco Lindor and trading players and then signing him to a big long-term contract. How much better is Francisco Lindor going to be than the player you're losing? It's kind of a, a lateral move. So to me, uh, no, that's not a question of whether or not you trade Glaber Torres. And it turns out that uh, Luis Vizcaino, I forgot Luis Vizcaino wore the number 52. Also, David Weathers apparently wore the number 52. Chuck Carey, I looked for myself, uh, he wore 51. So I was wrong on that one. It happens. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go with some phone calls this morning. We'll go to uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, my friend. I'm glad you picked me up. First of all, I want to wish you the best. Thank you for, you've started my day for, I don't know, how many, three years plus, is it? Uh, I think it's uh, four years now. Oh, God, time flies when you're having a good time. I can't thank you enough. I mean, uh, 
and uh, you're very unique. You have a great take on things, and uh, you make me laugh, and that's priceless. So let's get to the Yankees because you're going to be around, and we'll hear you here and there. I'm assuming that's correct. Uh, yeah, it seems that way. Okay, good. We'll, we'll find you. So uh, I think the Yankees would be stupid if they don't sign LeMayu. I don't understand one thing. It's, it, it, it's pay him the money. What's the difference? It's not that big a deal. It's not going to hold you back from getting a top-notch player. And he's a gold glove winner, two positions, I believe. And he hits in the clutch. He makes contact. There's no downside. What are they waiting for? Uh, well, look, it's a negotiation, right? You don't want to you don't want to pay any more than you have to, and I'm sure you know the, the financial constraints from this past year. I'm not saying that they're not real. I mean, you know, the fact that the Yankees lost money in 2020, I'm sure that is is legitimate. I mean, they've made money every other year, so I, I don't want to hear about how they have to kind of go on a shoestring budget. So no, look, I don't want to pay them. You know, at the end of the day, I am a fan of the Yankees more than I am a fan of DJ LeMay. So I want the best for them then I want the best for him. Now, I want him to get a, a fair contract and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I, I do want him back, and, and I root for the team more than the player. So, uh, so you know, let's so see how it turns out. I think it, it will turn out that they'll, 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 they'll get him back. Yeah, they'll give him 88 for four years. And so the fourth year, he hits 290 and, uh, you know, hits 15 homers and plays good in the field, you're okay, too. Yeah. This all guy, right. If you look at- Spike, we got to get running, man. We're running out of time, all right? All right, Spike. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, we were already out of time. Please vote on the Regal Tumble. We'll be back tomorrow at 5. It's Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.